So I want to begin this morning by asking a question. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Where is God? Where is God? With all of the brokenness of our world, with all of the division, with all of the violence, with all of the strife, when storms blow in from the Atlantic Ocean and ravage cities and towns and people's lives? Do you ever ask, where is God in all of this? Well, when we see the senseless violence, mass shootings of schools, we tend to ask ourselves that question. Atheists are famous for asking, well, if there is a God and he's all-powerful, and he's good, then why is there evil? Why is there evil? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there so much discord and strife and division in our country? Well, these are good questions, and I'm here to tell you this morning that God's Word answers those questions. So this morning, I want you to turn to the minor prophet Habakkuk. Habakkuk. The minor prophet Habakkuk. In your pew Bible, it's page 911. Um, and if you're not familiar with the Bible, maybe just go to the New Testament to Matthew and then take a left turn because he's in the latter pages of the Old Testament. He is uh, nestled in between Nahum and Zephaniah as if that's going to help you. <laughs> but once you find it there, I want us to read uh, a few verses at the very end of this very short book. And just by the way of saying, I mentioned that he's a minor prophet. He's not minor in stature, and he's certainly not minor in the message that he gives. It's minor simply because of the length of the book that bears his name. The major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Those are major prophets because of the length of their book. But there are 12 minor prophets, uh, some, of whom, some of them you know. I was in Sunday school class this morning, and they were talking about Jonah. He is another minor prophet. But Habakkuk is a minor prophet as well, but he has a mighty message for all of us. So I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word, if you are able. And we're going to begin reading in verse 16 of chapter 3. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 16 to 19. I heard, and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet, mark that, underline it, remember it. Yet, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls. Yet, mark it, underline it, make note of it. 
Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights for the director of music on my stringed instruments. Let us pray. Father, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for how you inspired Habakkuk to pen these words. Some of the most powerful declaration of faith that we will see in all of scripture. Father, I pray that you will open up our hearts this morning and reveal to us how much we must rely upon you. Not only in the times when our certain, we are uncertain about our future, but in each and every circumstance of life that we might trust you in all things. And we pray all of this in the capable name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So who was this Habakkuk? He lived during the transition between two great world empires, Assyria and Babylon. It was as if Assyria was the world power of its day. It's similar to how America is viewed by most of the world. The United States of America is a world power. And so we think of as our nation as the, the, everybody looks to our nation. This is how Assyria was in the year of 620 to 615 BC, because this is when Habakkuk uh, rose up into his call to be a prophet of God. He would uh, prophesy during the last days of King Josiah's reign. Now, King Josiah was the last good king of the southern kingdom of Judah. And when he passed away, then every king after him just forewarned and foretold the downfall of the southern kingdom. His contemporaries were Nahum, Zephaniah, and Jeremiah. Habakkuk was unique, however. Unlike all of the other prophets who actually prophesied the word of the Lord to the people, whether they be in Israel or they be the enemies of Israel, Habakkuk is a personal conversation with the Lord God. And we'll see here as we walk through the book. Habakkuk's name literally means he who wrestles. He who wrestles. It also means he who embraces. He who wrestles and he who embraces. It's interesting, but Habakkuk actually fulfills both of those names in this particular book. And in fact, there are two complaints. The letter or the book here is consisting of two complaints followed by a prayer and then a praise. The first complaint is from Habakkuk. Do you remember when I asked you, have you ever asked the question, why? Habakkuk lived during a time of severe injustice. He lived during a time of violence. He lived during a time when the nation of Israel was constantly under siege. And so he asks the question, why? Turn back to chapter 1 of Habakkuk and we'll look at how he first issues his first lament or complaint. Verse 2 of Habakkuk 1 says this, how long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? 
Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? He asks the question, why? You know, there's another guy in the Bible that asks that very question. His name was Gideon. He was a judge. And when the angel of the Lord came to him, Gideon was down in a wine press. He was hiding out in a wine press. And the angel of the Lord came to Gideon and he said, Mighty warrior, God is with you. And Gideon asks the question, Well, if God is with us, then why do the Midianites oppress us? And why do they burn our crops and poison our wells and carry our children off into slavery? And why do they kill our parents? What would it be like if God wasn't with us? God said, go in the strength I have given you and defeat that army of Midian. And Gideon went with 300 men and he destroyed that army of 10,000 Midianites because God was with him. And so we see from Gideon that he asked the question, why? Well, we see here Habakkuk asks the question, why do you tolerate wrong, O Lord? We see the answer in verse 5 of chapter 1. The Lord's answer is this, and it's also quoted for us in the New Testament in Acts chapter 13. God said, look at the nations and watch, and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. So the answer that God gives to Habakkuk is, watch, I am moving, I am I'm handling things on my timeline. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord God. Well, Habakkuk is kind of interested because now who is he going to use to bring judgment upon his nation? In verse 6, he says, I am raising up the Babylonians. So this doesn't sit well with Habakkuk. And so we see in the middle of chapter 1, beginning in verse 12, Habakkuk issues his second lament, his second complaint. And down in verse 13, he says, your eyes, he's talking to the Lord here, he says, your eyes are too pure to look on evil and you cannot tolerate wrong." Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You see, Habakkuk was trying to understand why would God use this evil, vile dictator named Nebuchadnezzar to bring judgment upon Israel? They're worse than the Israelites. Well, God gives an answer. Of course, Habakkuk he said, I'm a watchman. I'm going to stand on the tower. I'm going to wait for your answer, Lord. And God gives him the answer. We see it in chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. In chapter 2, verses 2 through 4 say this, Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation. Make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Though it linger, wait for it. 
It will come. And then he says in verse 4, See, he, he's he's applying this to Babylon, he is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous will live by his faith. Have you ever heard that verse before? It's quoted three times in the New Testament, once in Romans, once in Galatians, and once in Hebrews. And this, of course, is from the word. The righteous will live by faith. And so, therefore, we see that Habakkuk is finally transitioning from questioning God to now relying upon God. And this is where we get to, in chapter 3 of Habakkuk, he then utters a prayer to God. And his prayer is a remembrance of all that God had done in the nation of Israel. How he had carried them through. How he had brought them from the evil empire of the Egyptians through the Red Sea to Sinai, out in the desert, provided for them, ushered them onto the plains of Jordan, and then he brought them across the Jordan into the promised land. Habakkuk here is recalling and remembering that God is faithful. He may not come and answer your prayer in this time, but he will eventually answer your prayer. He says yes, he says no, or he says wait. And all of us must come to the realization that when a storm brews off the coast, you and I don't know what to do, but our God in heaven knows exactly what's going on. Amen? Amen. I am so excited that Habakkuk wrote this praise at the end of chapter 3. And so we see our three responses to God in light of his power and his goodness. He is our source of strength. And therefore, we come to verse 16 of chapter 3, and it is the first response. Reverence. Reverence. Look at what it says there in verse 16. I heard, and my heart pounded. Has your heart ever pounded out of your chest? You were so afraid. You know, when I read this particular verse, I thought of the Wizard of Oz. Do you remember when they went down that long hallway to face the wizard? And how they were trembling, you know, with all of the fire and smoke? And they were just absolutely frightened. And I remember thinking to myself, should we be frightened of God? No, but we should be reverent. He is our Father in heaven, but we should have a holy reverence for His purity, His holiness, His power, and His might. When we lose that reverence, we lose that connection to the source of our strength. But then He also says, my heart pounded within me, and then He said, my lips quivered at the sounds. You realize that Habakkuk here can't even speak? He is so overcome with the truth of who God is, how powerful he is. He has slung the stars into the sky. He has brought the entire universe into existence by his spoken word. And you and I want to somehow commiserate over our own foibles. God himself says, I am with you. I will carry you. And this is what he tells Habakkuk. And Habakkuk, of course, his lips are quivering. He can't even speak. And then he says, decay crept into my bones. It's as if the very life source himself 
is so powerful that when we come into a close relationship with Him, we feel like death. We feel like we are dying inside. It's a decaying from the inside. I'll never forget watching the Indiana Jones trilogy. How many have ever seen those movies, Indiana Jones? Well, the third of that series is known as Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. How many of you ever watched that movie? Okay, several of you? Okay. Well, I, I think it's one of my favorite movies, and um, uh, it, comes, it comes with one of my favorite statements out of any movie. And it's, um, and let me just kind of paint the picture for you. They, um, they are on this quest for finding the Holy Grail. The Holy Grail, of course, is the cup that Jesus used at the Last Supper. And so he, um, he is on this quest, but there's this evil doctor who is also on this quest and is using Indiana Jones to help lead him to where this Holy Grail is being kept. And of course, they, they get there, and of course, Indiana Jones gets across to this remote cave where a knight is actually holding that, um, that cup, and, you know, he's, he's protecting it. And so they get across, and they finally, this evil doctor comes up, and there's this array of these cups on a table. And of course, the knight tells him, you must choose. And so this evil doctor goes up to the table and he sees this array of cups and he feels like Jesus is a king, therefore he must have the cup of a king. So he chooses the, the most beautiful cup, the gold cup with gems all around it. And then he takes it and he puts some water in it. It's supposed to be life-giving water, it's supposed to give you life eternal. And he goes and he drinks it. And then you know the scene. This man turns from a, a natural person to an acceleration of death. And his hair turns long and his eyes pop out and his skin goes away and his, his, uh, his skeleton is finally turning to ash. And then all of a sudden he just, phew, he's gone. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. He's gone. And of course Indiana Jones and the lady there are looking at this this uh, night, and this is the statement, this is uh, the greatest statement in all of moviedom. The knight says, he chose poorly. <laughs> you see, when we're going after that which is of this world, we miss out on what God has in store for us. Decay crept into his bones, just like decay accelerated into that man's life who chose the wrong cup. And then he says, my legs trembled. My legs trembled. He could barely hold himself up. He was so overcome by the power and the majesty of God. But then there's that word yet. Do you remember I said, look for the yet? Yet I will wait patiently for the Lord. I will wait patiently for Him. Psalm 37 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Psalm 46, God said, Be still and know that I am God. Do you take time in your life to be still? 
Do you take time to reflect on his goodness, on his mercy, on his grace, on all of his provision for your life? God is telling Habakkuk, just wait, because the calamity that I will bring upon the Babylonians will be full and final. But that leads us to the second aspect of our, and I'll move it here, rejoicing, rejoicing. So we go from reverence to rejoicing. Verse 17, it's our memory verse for this week. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Folks, I don't think Habakkuk could have come up with a worse set of conditions. He literally laid out the most dire of circumstances during his time, being an agrarian society, that if you have no fig tree, if you have no grapes, if you have no olive crops, if you have no field uh, producing fruit, if you have no sheep in the stalls and you have no cattle in the pen, guess what? You have nothing. You have nothing. Though our power goes out. Oh, how many lost power this week? Yes, we lost power. We're happy to say we lost power. And let me tell you, power can be a god in your life. Let me tell you, it was not fun at the Disharoon household. <laughs> Especially when your phone dies. Then you got to walk outside to your car and charge it up because you can't live without that phone. You know how it is. Let me tell you what happened. We were sitting there. I mean, it wasn't, you know, we didn't think it was a big deal. And then all of a sudden the power went out Friday morning at 1030. We figured, oh, it'll, it'll come back on and an hour passed. No power. Two hours. No power. Three hours. No power. Let's just say that night we went to bed thinking, surely, surely the power will come on during the night. No power. Woke up the next morning, and you know me, I'm an early riser. If you ever ride by the church on, on a weekday morning, you'll see my car in the parking lot. I'm here around 6, 6.30 in the morning. I get up early. And uh, Starbucks decided they're not going to open up until 8 a.m. on Saturday morning. I'm going to write a letter. Not sure if it's going to work for me. So I had to endure McDonald's coffee. I don't know about you, but uh, McDonald's is good, but not that great. But it was good for me then. I come back to the house, and my daughter now wants to go and get her own cup of coffee at Starbucks. It's almost 8 o'clock. And so we, we say, yeah, go ahead and get your mom a cup of coffee, too. Get me one, too. And then she goes over there, and about 10 minutes later, she calls me. And she goes, Dad, my battery died in my car. I'm having a great time. I'm saying, Lord, how much power do you want to take away from me? And so we went over, and uh, I have to tell you, um, you know, that car of hers, anybody need a car? I mean, I'm ready to give it away. But we lost power in our home. In fact, I, we had a friend who actually used to live near us when we lived in our old neighborhood, and so I called her. Of course, I never call on her to check on her or her and her husband, uh, but this time I did because he works for the power company. <laughs> 
So I said, uh, I said, you know, hey, can you check with Jamie and just ask? I mean, we're over here. There's this substation that's just not working. The light's out. It's very dangerous. You know, the traffic is not very good when there's no light. And she goes, I'll check. And I said, oh, by the way, how are you doing? <laughs> anyway, she, uh, she of course, uh, calls and lets us know that it'll come back on Saturday afternoon. And so we had it in time for the game last night. Okay, so it was all good. But it's amazing how when you lose power, we sometimes get really like, oh my gosh, how is this happening to us? And then the Lord brought to my mind, how would you like to be some of the people down in Florida who've lost everything? How would you like to be the people who live in most parts of our planet who are looking for a fresh cup of water, Amen. who are looking for some food? You saw the joy on those children's faces in that video because they got a shoebox full of goodies. It causes us to think it's not about us. It's not about us. And so here Habakkuk comes to this realization, though I have nothing, yet I will rejoice in God my Savior. Will you come to that place of rejoicing because God bestows joy to us? God sheds light and joy on the righteous, Psalm 97 says. In Isaiah 61, it says, God clothes us with garments of salvation and he arrays us with robes of righteousness. We are called to rejoice in all circumstances. Paul, Adam read that passage from Philippians chapter 4 this morning. Paul the Apostle was in prison when he wrote those words. Rejoice! And again I say rejoice. Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ, sang, My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Jesus said, When people persecute you, rejoice and be glad. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. So turn your worry into worship. Turn your burden into a blessing. Because that's how God wants us to respond to Him. And so we revere Him. We rejoice in Him. But there's a third and final response. And it's renewal. And it's God who does the renewing. Look at what it says there in verse 19. The sovereign Lord is my strength. The sovereign Lord is my strength. Moses sang after they came through the Red Sea. Moses sang a song and he said, My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. The Lord is my strength and my song. The psalmist in Psalm 46, God is my refuge and my strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. But he's also our security. He is our security. Look at what he says there. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. Have you ever watched a deer scale up a hill with rocks? 
They are so agile and sure-footed. They're able to just scale the heights without any difficulty whatsoever. If you and I tried to do that, we would fall. But a deer has such sure-footedness. Why? Because God has ordained that that deer could do that. He is telling us that no matter what your trials are, no matter what mountains you have to climb, and you will have to climb mountains, when you have to climb that mountain, God is the one who will sustain you. He is the one who will be your security. He is the one who will carry you through. Go on the heights, God says. Go on to the heights. Lift up. God will take us to new level, levels of understanding of Him. When you read the Word of God, He infuses you with His truth. And that truth is what sustains us. That truth is what gives us faith to carry on. When you rely on God, God will show you His power. God will show you His goodness. God will show you how to carry through the storm. No matter what comes into your life, no matter what circumstances are there, God will carry you through. He is our source of strength. When we seek happiness, it is fleeting. But when we are imbued with the joy of God, who is our source of strength, we have an inner joy that is eternal. It will never flush out. God is there for us. And so Habakkuk went from burden to blessing. He went from worry to worship. He went from looking at life's problems to focusing on God's provision. When you and I are going through the storms of life, remember to trust God. He's the only one who knows the end from the beginning. He is the only one who has the power to sustain you. He is the only one who can make you feel at home with Him. This is the promise of the Word of God. Habakkuk tells us that God is our strength. He is the one who will steady our lives. Will you let God steady your life? If we were to learn anything from anybody who has endured so much pain, so much suffering, so much loss, we have a woman named Corey Ten Boom, who is famous for saying, if you look at the world, you will be distressed. If you look within, you will be depressed. But if you look to God, you'll be at rest. Amen. Rest in the mighty work and hand and care of our almighty God. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you that even though we don't know what is coming down the road, you do. We trust, Lord, as we study your word to rely on the promises that you have made long ago and have brought forth to pass. Lord, we help ask you, even in the midst of our suffering or our tragedy or our loss, that our instinct is to ask why. But Lord, we know that the answer in you is always amen and amen.
that you are doing your work in your time and in your way. And all we have to do is wait upon you, learn of you, and draw close to you. Father, thank you for Habakkuk's word of encouragement. And Lord, most of all, we thank you for being with us when the times are toughest. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, who went before us, who bled and died and rose again on the third day. Praise the Holy Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand with us as we sing this hymn. If you have never trusted Jesus Christ, if you've never placed your faith in him, my encouragement this morning is that you come forward. You make that decision today. You settle that issue with God, and he will carry you for the rest of your days and into eternity. If you want to join this church, if you're saying, I want to come and be a part of this fellowship of faith, you come, and we will get you plugged in so that God can use you and your gifts and your talents. If you want to recommit your life to Christ, if you want to say, Lord, sometimes I don't always trust in you, this is your opportunity.